The podcast today is going to cover my and Jennifer Saginaw's experience, her living at the mansion, witnessing things happening at shadow mansions and going to the Playboy parties and her, you know, relationship with her dad, Mark, who was friends with, you know, Hugh Hefner for 40 years. She interacted with him a lot. I, I, you know, hung out with Hugh Hefner a few times. I went to all of the Playboy parties. So we're going to be talking about our experiences with those things. However, I wanted to be clear going into the show that we are not going to be addressing the allegations that were made in the secrets of Playboy uh, regarding the Playboy clubs and some, you know, and sexual assault, true crime related murders and suicides and stuff that that were related to the Playboy brand in general. Um, that, you know, is not going to be discussed today because some of that is not my experience with Playboy and or Hugh Hefner. And Jennifer, as you will see in this conversation, has uh, different positions on different things. As usual, things aren't black or white in the land of Playboy. They're gray. And so I wanted to be clear that nothing we say in this episode is meant to demean the positions of women that have been impacted negatively by the Playboy mansion-related brands, experiences, whatever, murders, all sorts of things that have occurred related to it in some way or another, but instead our our experiences and views based on what we have had happen to us. And so I wanted to be clear of that. And as usual, I want to remind you that I am not convincing you of anything. I'm merely telling you my stories. So is Jennifer. And that's our view. If you are triggered by transactional sex or conversations that mention drugs and or um, sexual assault uh, from the perspective of the shadow mansions, then I would suggest that you do not listen to this podcast today and skip it and come back. I felt this was an important announcement to sort of make before we start the show, just because Jennifer did appear as uh, you know a main commentator in the secrets of Playboy, and she did write the book Playground: A Childhood Lost Inside the Playboy Mansion. And as a result of that, I didn't want people coming into this show, assuming that we're going to be covering the the huge girth of Playboy conversations that occurred in especially The Secrets of Playboy. If anything, you probably have figured out by now, if you listen to my show, is that I'm not trying to convince you of anything or give you any viewpoint. In fact, I would question anyone who tells you that the truth isn't elusive. Come on, bitch, bitch, let's go. Come on, get, get, get ready, bitches. You haven't seen nothing yet. Come on, Valentino, Versace, Lamborghini, Bugatti. I got money to burn. I'm single and I'm not. Come on, Tiffany's, Cartier, Gucci, Armani. Come on, break out your black card, boys. So you guys know that I have said on the show several times that I used to go to the Playboy Mansion parties. 
I even had a, a situation where I went to Garden of Eden at some point in my early 20s to a lingerie party that Playboy was doing. It wasn't the the real Playboy parties, but it was like a promotional party that Hugh Hafner was doing. And I was plucked out of the crowd and I was brought over to Hugh Hefner by a bodyguard guy. And he said, sit next to Hugh Hefner. And, you know, you could sit in this VIP area and I was surrounded by these gorgeous women. And shockingly, you guys, at this time, I had brown hair. So I just want to stress that I was really thin and I had brown hair. And there were all these blonde girls that were really beautiful. Anyway, I sat there and uh, I had a chat with Hugh. And at some point, we made out, which I come to find out is like his thing. I guess he does this. And it was really strange. I didn't expect to do it. It was like, I don't even know how it kind of came about. I like leaned in and we were sort of talking. It happened. And it was a little shocking, right? But I was like, whatever, this is cool. I'm still in the VIP area. Anyway, at this point, he invites me to get a hold of his secretary who is going to put me through some process that I'm going to get invited to the Playboy Mansion. Learned all the rules from an outsider's perspective, you know, that just attended the parties and had fun. But I was recently made aware of this amazing book called Playground, A Childhood Lost Inside the Playboy Mansion. Okay, so here's the synopsis of Playground, A Childhood Lost Inside the Playboy Mansion. By the way, available on Amazon. It was published first in 2006. Okay, this is what it says on the back. In the vein of running with scissors, Playground is the glitzy, glamorous, and surreal true story of a young girl who grew up inside the Playboy Mansion and never learned where the party stopped and the real world began. You are six years old. Every day after school, your father takes you to a sprawling castle filled with exotic animals, bowls of candy, and half-naked women catering to your every need. You have your own room. You have new friends. You have an Uncle Hef who's always there for you. Welcome to the world of Playground, the true story of Jennifer Saginaw, who grew up inside the Playboy Mansion. By the time she was 14, she'd done countless drugs, had a secret affair with Hef's girlfriend, and was already losing her grip on reality. School, work, family, and ordinary people had no meaning behind the iron gates of the mansion, where celebrities frolicked, pool parties abounded, and her own father, Hugh Hefner's personal physician and best friend, the man named Dr. Feelgood typically held court. Every day was a party, every night was an adventure, and through it all was a young girl falling faster and faster down the rabbit hole, trying desperately hard not to get lost. And Jennifer actually had the unique experience of being on the inside circle of Hugh Hefner as like almost an extended family member because her dad was very close with Hugh Hefner and lived at the mansion for many, many years. And I'll obviously let her tell the story. But Jennifer really got to see so many different dynamics. And she was actually uh, used in a show called uh, The Secrets of Playboy, which is was very, very popular. I'm sure many of you have seen it. There was a side of Playboy that nobody wants to talk about. He was an advocate for sexual freedom and the First Amendment. 
And he really did believe he owned these women. There's some things that I never saw the light of day. I didn't realize that getting into the Playboy world was a dangerous choice. He didn't want people to know what was really going on. I have extensive electronic equipment in the house, which includes videotape equipment. Sometimes things happen in the bedroom. It was a beautiful world. It looked that way, but it was really ugly. When you get someone that powerful, anything could happen. Anything. I wouldn't trade places with anyone else in the world. His legacy should comprise the whole story. The people who are really there, they're the ones who know the real truth. And it was funny because when I reached out to Jennifer after watching The Secrets of Playboy, I was like so excited to talk to her. I was like, oh, what do you think of this? What do you think of that? Or... And she was, she just had such a different viewpoint from what was demonstrated on the show throughout the episodes, not in every episode, but like mixed in. And I thought, oh my gosh, Jennifer, I, you got to come on the show. You have to tell people your today viewpoint. You know, the book was written years ago, the special you didn't control, you know, that you weren't producing, you weren't the editor. Yeah. How did you feel about that depiction of your, of your stories and, you know, how do you see it now as, as you are today? And uh, so uh, without further ado, I am going to bring Jennifer into Dishing Drama, Dana Wilkie. Enjoy. You are looking fabulous. Thank you. I try. Not that hard. I just am. <laughs> oh, you're so Come bad. Hi, Dana. Thanks for having me. Hi, Jennifer. I'm so excited. I know, same. It's so good to uh, chat with you about all this, of course. It's fun. I, I know, it is fun. Um, I, you know, was so surprised uh, at our conversation, right? Because I had kind of called you with two things in mind, really. Like, I was like, gosh, I've had some of the best times of my life at these Playboy parties, right? And I was watching, you know, The Secrets of Playboy, and there was stuff in there that I had no idea ever happened. You know, I mean, they really go deep on Playboy clubs and other people that attended the mansion, like Bill Cosby and Tony Curtis and all this stuff. I mean, it, it's way more than just the parties, that whole thing. But I was kind of surprised because I was like, wow, this is way darker than I kind of remembered it. And so I was, I don't know. What do you feel about it? Like, you tell me. I mean, I have mixed emotions. Um, you know, I wrote about the darker aspects of the Playboy life, you know, in my book. And um, at the time, back in the early, you know, in the early 2000s, early to mid 2000s, I mean, these same women were sort of like turning their cheek, you know, turning the other way. No one believed me. You know, I'm talking about these mini mansions. I'm talking about this whole secret underground world. And, you know, really no one believed me. And everyone sort of, you know, turned the other cheek just because they were benefiting at the time. And they were on the fast, you know, the fast track to whatever fame and making money and and what have you. So it's just like the playmates, right? Like some of the yeah, playmates, all the girl, all the, a lot of the playmates. And it's weird because 
Uh, I also feel from my experience starting as a teenager or, you know, actually starting younger than that, but starting as a little kid and then, you know, growing up at the Playboy Mansion uh, through my teens and then well into the 2000s, um, into the later 2000s. And then, you know, my father being alone by his side when he passed away in 2017, you know, so just a 40 year span, let's just call it. Um, it's just, I knew the rules of the Playboy playground at a very young age. I feel they were, it was just as a teenager, I just really was aware of, you know, all of these, you know, all of these transactions, you know, it was basically like, you know, if you want to participate, if you want the the goodies, if you want the the fast paced lifestyle and all the, you know, the limo rides and the parties and, you know, all the glitz and the glamour that you, that people hear about when, when you're growing up in just a regular suburban sort of neighborhood. And I, I know for myself that I chose, you know, I chose that I was living with my, in my mom's house and, you know, in a more uh, suburban neighborhood in Los Angeles and, had chores and had to do my homework after school. And it was just like boring. You know, I would walk to 7-Eleven to get candy and walk to McDonald's. But I mean, there was really not much action, right, going on in the neighborhood. So, of course, going to the Playboy Mansion was just like such so exciting and constantly getting mischief and just I mean, just it was although it was very seductive. Yes, I guess I just was aware that there was an exchange, um, that there was, you know, a choice in going to the Playboy Mansion and participating. Right. But you wanted to go live at the Playboy Mansion. It wasn't like I I say this because in the show, they kind of make it sound like you, you know, were shoved into the Playboy Mansion to live with your dad, Mark. And you had no choice about it. Uh, was that kind of how it went down or what? What? How did that go down? You're like, Dad, I, I want to live with you. <laughs> I think that, well, I mean, from a young, starting at a very young age, I mean, he always had a bedroom there. So that was something that, you know, I had no control over. I mean, he just, whenever we were with him Thursdays and every other weekend to start as, as a young kid, we would just go there and then I would see his bedroom and see his clothes and the butlers would bring his medical bag to his room and that sort of thing. And it was very clear that he always had a room there. Um, And then, and then I was given a room like, you know, on the weekends and um, I did, I was playing tennis a lot and I was on the tennis team and I had played USTA tennis. And so I just was always wanting to play tennis after school. And I just think I gravitated more to, of course, like a lot of people to, you know, a world where there was no rules and no restrictions and, um, and it was fun. And so, you know, I definitely feel like a choice was made in terms of like, do I want to, you know, stay there more, go there more, live with my father. These were all kind of like choices that I made as a teenager, um, in terms of full-time, you know, full-time living. And I think I was like 14, 14 or 15. And I just really made more of a, a decision. And I really feel that, you know, if I made this decision at such a young age, right, to be there, to live there, to, you know, hang out there more, then it just seems like 
these other women who were in the, you know, 18, 19, 20, 21, whatever. I mean, I, it just seems to me that, you know, that decision to live there, be there, be a part of this culture was really, you know, it, it, it's not as if we were held against our will. You know, this is not a place where we're, in my experience, where people were held against their will, there are a lot of places all over the world where women are trafficked, where women are, you know, they have no way out. And this is not one of them. You know, this was, yeah. it's like, you're not happy. There's the door. You know, there's a million other girls just like you who will take your place. So, well, and, and also I, I, Kind of one. I never got to go to the seventies through the early nine, the nineties. I missed that part. I was like, I guess yeah. I was probably late nineties. Yeah, would be like late nineties, maybe two thousands was more my time. Two thousands, I'm going to say more my time. Yeah, I mean, in the in the decades, every decade was different. I mean, right. the seventies and the eighties were so different from the nineties and the two thousands. I mean, even the so. 90s, wait, will you tell me a little bit about the seventies to the nineties? Because I, yeah. I, I like I can I just say this to you so you know where I'm coming from. I was part of the group that when he got divorced, oh, okay. <laughs> right. you know the so divorce part of the Garden of Eden group, right? Right. So the Garden divorce, Firefly. I was there. Yeah. yeah. So the divorce yeah. happens. Everyone's like, oh my God, the first time in like whatever, seven years, Hugh Hefner's going to start back up the parties. She's out because she was really uh everybody knew on, you know, the word on the street was that she was very controlling over Hugh and wouldn't let him do any shenanigans. So when that was over, she moved out in some place. This was like what everyone was saying at the time. Like she moved out on the property somewhere. And that now the parties were going to be able to begin again. And this is sort of was like kind of the chit chat. And that's when I bump into Hugh Hefner, like I said, at the beginning of the mm-hmm. podcast. So go ahead. Right. Oh, so- yeah. No, I mean, I remember those days really well. Um, I just the 70s was more like, uh, you know, the village people and um <laughs> You know, Dorothy Stratton, who was babysitting me when my father was off doing different things. So starting, I guess, in the mid mid 70s, I really remember, you know, sneaking out onto the banister and listening to the. um, So this this I remember in the mid 70s when I started going there, it was um, it was just filled with you know, very colorful characters like Tony Cardis and um, Shel Silverstein, who wrote The Giving Tree, and just, you know, just a whole long list of other, you know, larger-than-life sort of people that, you know, were part of this, like, boys' club, so to speak. And I um, always felt privileged, you know, to sort of be a part of the boys club, um, you know, like it was, there was definitely a distinct separation at the time yeah. between the men and the women. So the m- women were all hanging out like in the med room eating and, or they would go to, you know, work out or whatever they would do. They would be in like the playboy uh, playmate of the month house. And I remember always taking pride in sitting with the guys, um, you know, while they were playing, you know, gin or Monopoly or backgammon, um, you know, in the library. So 
I always remember being like the only girl that was allowed to like listen in and sort of be there around with the guys. And, um, and then that was a big deal. That was because what the listeners may not know is that Playboy is a place of very strict rules. Like there were, there was a a procedure to everything, I guess is what I want to say. And there was like an understood hierarchy and code of rules and stuff. And you being allowed to be with the men was a huge hierarchical thing. Like, I mean, even if I was in the room and saw you that doing that, I would have been like, whoa, she's important in his, in, in Hugh Hefner's world. Yeah. So yeah, there was definitely a distinct uh, separation between the men and the women and the women would sit on would be separate and not allowed in the library when the men were gathering, playing their games uh, and playing cards and smoking, you know, cigars, pipes, that sort of thing. So I always felt very privileged and honored to be a part of the boys club, to be included with the guys. Um, It's sort of like, you know, modern day female goodfellas. What do you mean I'm funny? <laughs> funny? You know, it's a good story. It's funny. You're a funny guy. <laughs> what do you mean? You mean the way I talk? What? It's just, you know, you, it's, you're just funny. It's, you know, the way you tell the story and everything. Funny how? You know, I felt like I was the little one, like, hey, go get us this. Go get us that. You know, I yeah. sort of coined myself as the young little chip girl, you know, where I, w- I could be around with these guys and travel with them and go with them to the cigar bars when they went out into Beverly Hills, I would go with them to places like Pips, which was a private uh, men's cigar bar and other, you know, and other private clubs. Chasen's, remember Chasen's? Yes, and Chasen's. And And what was the other one? Remember on Beverly Drive, it was later. uh, Oh God, what was the name of that one that was owned by Hamilton? No, I mean, it was, I definitely thought it was fun. running around with the guys for sure. And so I think that created, you know, feeling special as a kid and feeling included with these guys and being taught at a very young age, you know, the definition of loyalty and what it meant to be loyal to these men. Um, Really, I think in, you know, in telling my story throughout the decades has, you know, is definitely causes some sort of internal conflict, of course, because part of me was really taught by them that the women, you know, choose to be here. They, you know, they can leave any time. They, you know, want a lot of the benefits, you know, there's contracts that they sign. There's, you know, there's, they're not being held against their will. This is something where they are, you know, told exactly what will be expected of them and then yeah. their choice to either, you know, perform in those areas or not. Um, right. And what you're referring to is that in the secrets of Playboy, there's several episodes where women that were going out with Hugh Hefner or uh, were attending the Playboy Mansion events and the like, uh, you know, have made allegations that they were abused, they were mentally uh, held again, you know, in the mansion against their will, mm-hmm. like by mm-hmm. manipulation, that they were convinced and tricked into doing things that they wouldn't do, that they were blackmailed uh, by 
security tapes and stuff in the property was it, it, so that's where you're coming from. You're like, as far as you're concerned, your experience was that those women that were there, that you know, they may have in retrospect felt all these things that we see on the show, but at the time it felt like they were, you know, there really present, having a good time, you know, exploiting the experience to a degree. Is that kind of it or no? Absolutely. These, most of the women that I saw were having a blast, um, were completely there because they wanted to be there uh, because they were given an opportunity to be there and were very aware of the rules of the Playboy Playground. They were, you know, they knew exactly, you know, what they were doing. In fact, many times they, you know, were trying to get as much as possible, right? They were working their way up the hierarchy. They were trying to, you know, become Hefner's girlfriend. They were trying to <clears throat> elevate. Why them. was that so coveted, Jennifer? I, I I just think that, you know, there's more perks. It's just like with any, you know, like a job. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's just like a job. It's like, oh, wow. Well, now I'm in this I'm in this company. Like, I want to work my way to the top. Do you know what the, the perks like, were? Like, did you get a better car or what the hell was a perk? Do you remember any of it? More- I mean, you get a you get more financial gain, you get more gifts, uh, more opportunities. Um, I mean, you know, when my book came out, these many of these women had opportunities, financial opportunities, opportunities to be on a reality show. I mean, of course, they were when I'm sitting here speaking the truth and being like, hey, there's there's also a dark side and there's also a side of being silenced and there's a side of um, just other, you know, there's also these, you know, secret mansions and these yeah. mini mansions and the shadow mansions and this whole underworld that no one wanted that that's a system within a system and, and no one believed me, no one wanted to hear it. So it's hard for me to stomach, you know, a decade later, it's like, well, wait a minute, now you're going to cry wolf. Now you're telling me you're, you know, yeah. I understand. So your position sort of is that your book comes out and in it, you describe the shadow mansions, which if you guys don't know what it, a shadow mansion was, it was um, a series. It was an offshoot. It was an offshoot of the Playboy Mansion. It was different men who were in his inner circle who created mini mansions and had owned modeling, you know, pretend modeling agencies and uh, pretend production companies and would use that and use their connections to the Playboy Mansion to lure in young women across the country, um, you know, and have them sort of filtered into this underground system which had been in place for decades. And that is separate. That mini mansion system was is a separate concept. That is something that I wrote about and, you know, first revealed in my book and was in The Secrets of Playboy. It was sort of blended in with the Playboy right. Mansion, which actually is not true. It was a separate. It's separate. It's a separate system. It's a separate. It, it was. A cloning. Yes. It's a cloning of the Playboy Mansion. Yes. A lot of the regular men did clone it, but it was something that was outside of the Playboy Mansion. Yes. And what happened is the girls that got rejected by mainstream Playboy for one reason or another, and there were numerous reasons this could happen, all pretentious, <laughs> but right. if it happened and you did yeah. get rejected, you, you would yeah, get you would kicked over. Into this, right. 
Right. There'd be someone to rescue you. (laughs) Right. You would be shuffled off if you were rejected by Playboy or, you know, didn't make the cut, so to speak, would be shuffled off into this underground system, which I wrote about in my book called the mini mansion, you know, underground mini mansion system. And these shadow mansions would basically be a way for the rejects to, you know, become established in their minds in Hollywood, you know, get an agent, still attend the parties, um, still kind of do their play, their their playboy playmate makeover um, of plastic surgeries and that sort of thing. And, you know, to me, the reason why I'm passionate about the entire concept that these women made choices at the Playboy Mansion to many of them to be there. And there was always like this ongoing open dialogue. There's the door. You're not happy. There's the door. You know, there's a million other girls waiting to take your place. Because what I saw in the shadow mansions, it, you know, in these offshoots were really much more disturbing and much more um along the lines of the whole vibe that was sort of portrayed, you know, in this doc series is really what I saw more of in the mini mansion offshoots. You know, I saw girls definitely who became more strung out, who were provided drugs, got hooked on drugs, um, you know, who in many cases were blackmailed. And I write about all of this as something that happened separate from the Playboy Mansion. This is yes. not combined. This is something that is separate. This is a separate underground system. Has- yes. And the reason this is important is that Hugh Hefner was the the Lord and King of the, the Playboy Mansion in that realm. Okay. And in these shadow mansions, there were, uh, you know, they had They're their own wannabes. kings They're and their kings just, were kind of, right. some of them were, they were rich certainly, but they were sick. Some of them, these men were They're not, they just were wannabe human and sick. They wanted, they're very, yeah, sick for sure. Yeah. What about that guy? Uh, Peter Nygaard's in that group. I mean, right. so the gross. men who created the Shadow Mansion offshoots are men who were probably most likely sex addicts. They are, you know, have major sex, you know, issues, of course, with intimacy with women, especially yeah. if they're attracted to minors or you know, or engaging in, you know, perverted sexual activities. So, you know, it, 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 it started the Playboy Mansion. Is it responsible for them? I don't know if it's responsible for the shadow mansions. I, I never, Hefner really did not frequent the shadow mansions, um, except for, you know, some of the parties maybe my father had at his house. Those were like private events or more like the upper echelon, like, you know, princes that would come to town, you know? Yeah, yeah. And and explain your dad, because your dad is, I mean, your dad is this really strange anomaly in the uh, docuseries, right? I, it's hard to say, like, I, 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 as I was watching it, I'm like, okay, you know how people think like good guy, bad guy, middle guy, good father, bad father, middle father. Like, tell me about Mark really, like without the boxes, like Mark, is he part of this 
mansion thing? Is he not really? Is he just partying and he, it's just kind of happening naturally? Is he Hugh Hefner's that, lover? I'm so confused. <laughs> I mean, there's many layers, right? Because there's many decades to cover. So I certainly can't cover, you know, 40 years. <laughs> for the most part, I think it was the times. It was, you know, the in general, our culture was so different in the 70s and the 80s. And even moving into the 90s, um, it was different. Um, and, and, you know, what was acceptable then and the orgies back then and the open sort of, you know, sexual freedom and sexual revolution and, you know, all of this stuff that went on during the earlier years, I think definitely it, 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 it transformed over the decades into something more darker and more perverse. That's for sure. Um, but I think with any of a lot of these people, they were probably just having fun and they needed more and more and more stimulation to stay in the game. You know, it's like, a you know, a sex addict, drug addict, of course, they're going to need more and more and more of something to, you know, experience the same sensation. And that's how I see what happened with a lot of these men over the decades. Um, and I think that they just sort of fell into it. I think it just, it's not that they were calculated. I think it just like, it, they fell into their own system, right? But they were controlling, I mean, in a way they were controlling the puppet strings but they were also, you know, victims of their own like addictions. Right. Yeah. Um, so they were, they, you know, I went from, I remember, you know, feeling myself just very like, you know, trapped in this lifestyle, but I was a minor, you know, I was a kid, I was a teenager and, you know, it became a choice once I left for college, right? For me to attend the party still and go to the parties and hang out there and be there all the time. That was a choice that I was making as a young adult in my 20s who was still having fun in the parties. Yeah. So Did I your really dad, know. your dad and you get along, right? You guys are. Yeah, we both. got along. I mean, we got along well Um, in the, you know, in the earlier years, I think it was, you know, fun. I really, he was like my idol. I really looked up to him. And then it became definitely darker in the eighties. Um, it was, we had a lot of turmoil. I had more turmoil with him and half. Um, they, I saw them as just constantly being together. Um, and I became close with, you know, one of Hafner's girlfriends at like 15, 16, 17 that affair actually continued through college through my end of my first year of college and yeah um, they made that seem like a very short like a they in this in the show to me it came off like it was this one you know one or two nights that you hooked up with one of Hugh Hefner's girlfriends and he you know called you into the room to try to exploit you guys being together for his own like I, I don't know, to watch you guys. And then when it didn't happen, he was like, you have to break up with her. And then she started crying and it was like a 10 minute moment. That's how it felt on the show. So it, but that isn't really what it was like, right? No, that, that, I mean, the show definitely sensationalized many things, uh, many things. And so of course, in reality, that's not what happened at all. Um, it was definitely a young love affair. Um, 
you know, I had my part in it too. Um, I did feel very estranged from my mother. My father did yank me away from my mother. I had no maternal figure in my life. Um, and I, you know, probably, you know, did obviously had some questions about my own sexuality, started hanging at the mansion more. Again, the Playboy Mansion, not that I'm defending it, but it did provide a safe haven for people who were exploring their sexuality, who did want to explore bisexuality and, you know, really sort of probably experience, you know, sex with the, you know, with the same sex. Remember back then, it just, it really wasn't as accepted in our society. Um, you know, our culture was really different. There was a lot of stigmas. I remember my mom and sister definitely didn't approve. It was like, oh my God, why are you spending so much time with Hefner's girlfriend? Gross. You know? So, really? Oh my God. Oh yeah. And same with my high school friends. They were like, oh my God, that's disgusting. But you so, were with her for a few years on and off or- like it was a real yeah. relationship is my it point. Was, right? I mean, yeah, it was, a, it, no, it was a real relationship for sure. It's just, it was a secret relationship, but it was a real relationship and it went on for, yeah. like. So did he tell you not to see her or you guys kept it yeah, secret? No, they did constantly tell us not to see each other and they did. <laughs> you um, too? Hugh Hefner too? Yeah, no, they, it was definitely, they did not, it started getting out publicly that we were together. So, um, you know, it, it definitely started to get it out when I was like, you know, 16, 17, 18, it was started to get out that we were together. And I think it's, it's really more that they didn't want it out there publicly, right? That, yeah that I was with his girlfriend. Cause that looks bad image wise. And so it wasn't about like him being jealous. No, I don't think it was about half being jealous. Not at all. In fact, he like, yes, he likes to watch. That's a very known fact about him. He's openly bisexual. He likes to watch women together probably more than he likes, in my opinion, to hook up with them. <laughs> so, you know, it, it, it's just, I don't think it was a jealous thing. I think it was just more like, this looks bad. This is my girlfriend, you know, stop you know this is my kingdom you know what i mean this is my universe and it was just <laughs> sort of like you know crossing the line so i think it was a control more of a control thing like i don't want you people to think you're with my girlfriend and i don't want you guys to be together and running around together in fact it you know then it became you could only hang out at the mansion you know not off the property together so that was like sort of like the what had come down at first and that was no fun, of course, because there's cameras everywhere. So, you know. Yeah, I was going to ask you, is there really is there really security cameras everywhere? And do you agree with the show in them saying that Hugh is using the tapes as like honey traps and or uh, using the tapes to blackmail people? Like, how do you feel about that? It's your opinion. I get it. Like, what do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, I do think that in general, I'm the one who sort of initially shared that um, with the director that, you know, I did feel that there was sort of this system in place. Um, and I do think that in general, not just with the playmates, but, you know, in general, the idea that there was cameras everywhere. And if you have some politician on a camera or video doing something, of course you can try to leverage that in, you know, in your favor. Um, I think in general that was probably done. Yes. Um, you know, to the degree in which it was done um, with playmates specifically or girlfriends, I don't know. Um, I think that 
I think that um, that definitely was done with guests and um, that I, I, I saw that. I mean, I definitely saw that happen and I was around it. And so I do think there was that sort of blackmail system in place. Absolutely. Um, I never got up the stairwell. I just want to say, uh, after watching the show, I was like, thank God I never got asked to go up the stairwell and I never got asked to go to movie night. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, it was definitely scary for me the first time being, you know, being, I don't know. So I think it, when I was 17 is when it was like, I remember it was Midsummer Night's Dream party and we were like forbidden. Kendall and I were forbidden from seeing each other and she had to ask permission to see me. And that's when Hep said, you know, only if Jennifer comes down to the room, like if it's, you know, and that's sort of how that happened because we were forbidden at that point to see each other. And, um, and I think that the issue obviously was that I was a minor, of course. <laughs> and I remember, you know, cut to my book coming out that, Hef had called me and said, you know, congratulations on your book. And, you know, your father and I are so proud of you. And we're going to watch all your interviews. Can you please fax me, you know, a list of all your interviews so that we can record them. And, you know, if you could just do me a favor and not tell and not tell anyone that I knew about your affair. You know, he didn't want it known that he he was aware of it and knew about it. Because you were underage, basically. Because I was underage, yeah. right. And so then I had given, I I was so excited that they were actually going to watch my interviews, right? So that I faxed them a list that HarperCollins had set up of interviews for me is back in 2005 and, or 2000, 2004, 2005. And it was, and it was, um, like the mafia, like every single, like 90% of those interviews were like canceled in succession. Like boom, 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 just all like canceled. Like, and that was tough, you know? So at that point I was filled with rage, of course. Um, and I was just so angry and angry that no one believed me, angry that all of the playmates and girlfriends were sort of like, you know, riding the high life, you know, of their fame and money and all this stuff. And no one was believing the truth. Well, so I got to say one thing, OK, as I'm watching the the secrets of Playboy, one thing that irritated me a little bit was this constant Thing that people kept saying like, yeah, I saw the worst thing I've ever seen in my whole life, but I did nothing. I did nothing because I, what was I going to do? Lose my job. What was I going to do? Get kicked off the Playboy Club. What was I going to do? Not attend the parties. What was I'm like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's exactly so bad. Right. Yeah. And that's sort of what I don't like that kind of like, I'm a victim, you know, it's like, really, but you stayed and you had a blast. What do you mean? You're how could, what do you mean you're a victim? How can you be a victim if you weren't held against your will? And, you know, you were given a choice every day. There's the door. I just, that's what I saw, you know? Well, it's just, I, I struggled I saw, with I that. I saw girls want to be there. Not only did they want to be there, they wanted, you know, to be number one. They wanted to be his number one girlfriend. They wanted to get married to him. They wanted to, you know, they, most of them wanted the opportunity for, you know, the highest perks, you know, the most 
financial gain, the most, you know, to become famous, the, everything, of course. I mean, it's it just, or to be, to be around that setting, you know, many of them, you could meet other wealthy men, of course, that, you know, you could end up being with when you're in this setting. So I think I just saw a lot of uh, changes, you know, from when these when many of the girls came in, they looked very different. They I mean, they've gone through complete physical transformations, like they look like different people. And then they, they ask for and they want all these surgeries, right? To it, it, I mean, yes, he might have, he might have, wanted them to get, you know, to look a certain way too. But the girls also wanted the surgeries to look a certain way. And I don't think that was communicated, but I'm very well aware of those conversations because I remember uh, my father's, it was on my father's friends who were all the plastic surgeons. So I just remember it was the girls who kept wanting to look different as well. And Well, my best friend was one of the hairdressers and he would get brought up to the mansion and paid like by Hugh, a, like a big amount of money and he would do their beauty, you know? Right. I mean, so everything was, yeah, I mean, it was like an all inclusive, you know? It was, <laughs> right. It was like the playmate makeover. But I, what I'm saying is this is again, not trafficking. You know, this is not trafficking. This is girls who want the playmate makeover. You know what I mean? Well, like, and the thing is too, is, it. There's yeah. a, there's a thing in LA that a lot of people probably don't get in other places, which is there's a lot of women who are in relationships with old, ugly, whatever men that, you know, they know they have to sleep with them or do something for them, you know, right. one night a week or exactly. two nights a week and they know it and they know it's expected. And it could be like, I'm talking bad breath. I'm talking about like, just a whole bunch think of the worst stuff like this girl has to face it but in return she has the safety of or the perceived safety of the car that he gets her the bills he pays at her house to make sure she's got because it's so expensive in LA a lot of the women can't 100%. stay 100%. they can't stay unless a guy's going to sugar her up and so that's what and that's exactly what this is it's glorified escorting that's exactly exactly how i see it so so it was you, like if you want to own it and you want to say yes i did this you know what i mean like, uh, that's it i mean and there and 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 the thing is is that a lot of people don't understand that in la this is accepted Right. So we think it's all very cute. Like when you see on Instagram, there was like a uh, an interview done recently with Ebony K. Williams and some famous, uh, I wish I had her name on me, but I don't, but some famous like uh, intellectual will say. She was like, would you date a man who was a bus driver? And Ebony's response was, I would only date a man who owned the bus. And the woman was like, that's the wrong thinking. Like, you should be looking for the person, not the the owner of the bus, because that's what's going to get you into trouble, right? Bottom line. So in LA, take that thought process and times it like by a million. So like now it's sort of like, what can I get? How high in the hierarchy of people can I get by just being a wife or being a girlfriend or being a mistress? 
and that's exactly what I heard from not only the female point of view, but from the male point of view. That's what I heard from the men. It's like, well, they're using us just like we're using them. Yes. Really what I saw. I saw the women being complicit. I mean, it's really, I saw most of them being complicit. Most of them wanting, just wanting to be there. Well, and then in retrospect, you feel like crap, right? So let's just be clear. Try sleeping with an 80 year old man. And at the end of it, go look in the mirror and you're going to really struggle. You're going to be like, if you're 30, if you're 20, because there's something not proper about that's not normal to to have a 20 year old have sex with like a 60 year old man. It's weird. And so the girl's going to definitely feel like shit after and feel used and gross and disgusting. And that's going to manifest into these feelings of like being, you know, I feel victimized by this old person. And I, I really, it was an exchange. It was an exchange there. Exactly. Too many, you know, this is, uh, there's no, there's too many women in other countries and here that are taken against their will, that are trafficked, that are, you know, drugged and kept drugged somewhere and they can't leave. And, you know, uh, there's a very, there's a distinct difference between, you know, glorified escorting and trafficking, D- you know, the, for I mean, sure. two different worlds. And, what I saw was the glorified escorting. You, you saw know, transactional right. sex. I saw transactional sex. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And so now, did I. And so did I. Because I'm at the parties and there are girls naked with paint. Exactly. I mean, I, I'm sorry, but that was it. That was everywhere. And and the girls are naked with paint and they've got the least amount of clothes possible on. And the idea behind it was definitely to entice a movie star to maybe want to date you so that you might get higher up in the LA ladder. That's it. It's what it comes down to. It's all about like how high up in this LA ladder can I get? The and mansions in the shadow mansions may have had more along the lines of trafficking. But again, those were, as I wrote about in my book, that they're completely a separate entity. They yes. are offshoots of the Playboy Mansion. And unfortunately, a lot of what I contributed creatively uh, from the beginning of that doc series was sort of, everything was sort of integrated into one. Yeah. And um, instead of it being, you know, really a separation and also a distinct, like, there's good and bad, you know, there's fun, there's incredible fun times. Obviously, we are seduced into this lifestyle for a reason, right? It's of fun. Course. You're gonna have a blast of the parties, um, you know, and it's um and I was I, I just want to say I was a total prude when I went to these parts. I wore a trashy lingerie, did my costumes for the Playboy Mansion, and I, you know, would wear like really, you know, sexy stuff, but not like I was, you know, not naked. Let's just say that. And I I mean, I would get high off my ass and um, talk to a million people or whatever, high off my ass and wander around like endlessly through the mansion and the different rooms. And I met a lot of guys there. And I always got into these when I get like high, I get intellectual. So it's like always just talking about like you know, business and this and that. And I never had anyone out of step with me. And I think, honestly, it was because 
I sent a different signal, which is I kept saying, like, I have my own business. I'm, you know, I'm here to party. Like I, right. I, I kind of took a different perspective. No, I, I was there connecting with people on a party level. Like, let's have fun. Let's connect. I'm not, you know, trying to, obviously I'm not trying to sleep with you to get something. Yeah. <laughs> and they treated you different if you weren't in that group, you know, I, I, at least I found that, that, I mean, I had a conversation with one of the heads of AOL in a secret room off the game room that's got a bed in it in the dark. I'm like, hi, it's like two in the morning. I don't know. And I'm sitting there. We had this long conversation about tech. I mean, and and yeah, do I think he went in there initially to see if he could get laid? Sure. But it's not like it just went in a different direction. And then we both said goodnight and I left. Yes. So like, I think there were different experiences for different people, depending also like what energy they put out. Because, I mean, there were girls that would be like naked and they'd be rubbing all over the guy. Right. You know, of course, yeah, I mean, the guy's going to want to have sex. Responsibility. Of course, <laughs> of course. And, and and I mean, and I just I did see a lot of the women who I mean, this is over the course of 40 years. I mean, of four, you know, all four different decades. So I saw most of the women, in my opinion, were complicit. I mean, I, I watched them. I, at the mansion, at the mansion. There. We're not commenting about the Playboy Club and all that. That's, uh, I don't know anything about those. Yeah, places. no, I was, I was only a guest at the Playboy Club a couple of times. Like I just, of course, was just sitting at tables and didn't know anything that was going on behind the scenes. Yeah. Um, so yeah. I just think if you're going to go up, I'm talking about at the Playboy Mansion, if you're going to go upstairs to some older man's bedroom and you already know this is a place of drugs and sex. I mean, obviously there, people are going to be doing drugs and sex. And if you don't want to do it, then there's the door. I'm, I don't know. I don't know if anyone was actually tied up and held against their will. I didn't see that. Ne- neither did I. I want to say that um, there was some things that were brought up in this show. I'm going to cliff note it uh, about Hugh Hefner. Okay. And I just want your, I'd love to know what you, how you felt about Hugh Hefner, good and, you know, negative is if you have it, if you don't, you don't have to, but here's what was alleged, right? So they alleged that he was potentially bisexual or maybe, um, you know, uh, part of the LGBTQ community secretly. And that, you know, this was because he had very, very close friends that maybe he crossed the line with, he'd have like, you know, they, they started out in an orgy scenario and then they continued a sexual relationship and they also were close friends. Um, another reason people looked to that, that this may be true was that when Hafner was with the women during orgies up the stairs, he was considered very mechanical. Like he was going through the motions of sex stuff, but not really enjoying it. And he usually watched, he didn't partake with the women And then there was, um, you know, I I guess there was like an interview where, you know, Hugh said, like, I do like to have sex, you know, bisexual sometimes, but I mainly like women, but I don't know if that means anything. So I guess my question to you is, do you think that Hugh was heterosexual? Do you think he was solid bi? Do you think he was gay? Like, what do you think? And this is your opinion, but I'm dying to know. (laughs) I mean, my, from my experience, um, Hefner was always very open 
about with sexuality and he was openly bisexual and I actually thought everybody was bisexual so I grew up thinking everyone was bisexual so um in terms of breaking that down um you know what I saw over the course of decades with the various wives and girlfriends is just that all the women would sort of come and go and all of the uh, close relationships, close friendships with the with the inner circle of men would remain constant. Um, I saw the emotional and spiritual connections, you know, with his best friends. I, you know, I know that um, I didn't see necessarily this aggressive, you know, him like this dominating man that was trying to like have sex with these girlfriends and these and these and these women, I didn't, you know, like some of the stuff that was portrayed in that doc series, I did not experience. I did not see any of that. Um, I, you know, it was more just like, I'm not sure how much you want. I didn't know if you, you know, I mean, many of them ended up saying, oh, it only lasted a couple minutes or a couple seconds or, you know, he it was mechanical. Well, it's like, well, yeah, I, I wonder why. Like, did, was he that into it? I don't know. Like, I just don't. I can't imagine that the, that these, some of these women were sort of, you know, boasting or, you know, really going on and on about their interest, you know, his interest in them when I just, you know, I question that. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not. Do you think that he considered your dad, his boyfriend? I hate to leave you on a cliffhanger, but it was a good time to stop. Jennifer Saginor is going to give you her take on her dad and Hugh Hefner's relationship and answers this question, as well as talking about how she was impacted by the Playboy Mansion, both positively and negatively. And that is going to be in part two. I really appreciate and I know she really appreciates you guys listening to this alternative viewpoint of our experiences at the Playboy Mansion. See you next week.